Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode 396. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm so happy to have you here today. And I'm also thrilled to introduce our guest, Karen Fritz. Karen is a purposivity expert from Purpose Driven Process. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. I would love if you would share with the listeners your background story and how you got to where you are today. I graduated from corporate back in the early 90s. I was a software project management. So I have the background in the management and the project piece, as well as the technology piece. And I ran my own businesses quite well, a lot of different businesses. The ones that worked, I kept. The ones that I tried and didn't work, I let go. And I think that's the way it is with entrepreneurs. And then discovered the field of coaching and decided I wanted to work with people on a much deeper level and really dove into that and the marketing around person-to-person businesses. And then I had a motorcycle accident. This was in 2013 and went down on the left side of my head. I just fell over. So nothing else was really damaged, but it left me with very little language access, word order make didn't write, and no memory. I couldn't do short-term memory and I kept forgetting things. Here I'd been this project manager who had everything under control and suddenly I couldn't remember where my keys were or anything and really started to turn to the computer to save me and discovered Evernote, yay Evernote, And just started putting all of my information, what did I need from the store, where did I leave off last on a project, what else needed to be done, what my kids' schedules were, everything went in. And I kind of started to realize that this would be useful to other people. And the next thing I know, I'm doing a talk about Evernote productivity for my motorcycle club. (laughs) You guys, you guys, you need to use this. And as I started to heal my brain, you know, healed up, and I realized that so many of the other coaching friends that I had were already heart-based or right-brain people, they didn't have that linear perspective of the project manager. And now I had a way to reach out to them and say, hey, there are tools that are going to serve you exactly as you are, you don't have to conform to the tools. And that was really the start of reaching out to other people and helping them with their systems from personal productivity, all the way up through marketing funnels that actually use technology and languaging that is appropriate to that person's essence from my own coaching background. So that's how it all started to really weave together based on the silver lining to that accident. Oh, my goodness. So you said you had short-term memory loss. I have so many questions. 
<laughs> Listeners, you may know that I tend to bundle all my questions together and then you're like, well, which one do I answer first? So I apologize because I feel one of those coming on. Short-term memory loss. Did you also have long-term memory loss too? I did. I lost access to, did I have friends in high school? I don't know. Oh in fact, gosh. I had somebody that I bumped into and he said, well, have you ever heard from Cindy? And I was like, Cindy who? And he said, well, she was your best friend from high school. And I said, well, at this point, I only have really small snapshots of high school moments. But the good news is that over time and with some attention, most of that is starting to come back. Otherwise, I figure I enjoy it during Alzheimer's, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that approach. What about memories of your children? See, I didn't even give you a chance to answer. One of my favorite movies is Fifty First Dates. So mm -hmm. you lose your memory, but what about your children? I'm just curious. That's actually kind of a painful point because when I was right out of corporate and had my kids and then started doing freelance work and so on, I hid some postpartum depression by going into workaholism. So I don't have that many memories of my children as toddlers to begin with. And that's one of the things that I'm really trying to protect other solopreneurs from ever experiencing. I want people to have that lifestyle where they are present to their kids and their family. Karen, I could give you a huge hug. A huge <laughs> hug for that. Because with my first two, I was working corporate and I remember everything. I wasn't in sleep deprivation mode, doing <laughs> everything in my business myself. Even mm -hmm. though I had systems, I wasn't using them properly. And then with my now four-year-old and then with the three-year-old twins, I do know I had postpartum depression. I was building my businesses and I went straight into workaholism mode too. Oh. And I remember when my four-year-old, when she stood up, but only because we have a Facebook video that pops up on my timeline to remind me sometimes. Mm -hmm. But with my twins, I don't remember. I remember more now because I've been more serious about getting my own systems and support and self-care set up. So I'm present now, yes. but I definitely wasn't present then. So big hugs to you for going through that because I know what it's like and for helping people now. I want to back up a second though. I love how you said that for the heart-centered coaches and entrepreneurs, that there's systems, that they don't have to conform to the systems, that there's something out there that's for them. Yeah. Because I went through that myself. I tried out so many systems. I don't even want to admit, well, I don't even know the number, how much money I spent using <laughs> multiple systems to try to get the right one in place. Right. And then the right one would just hit me. It's like, oh my gosh, where have you been all my life or my <laughs> entrepreneurial life, right? Yeah. I think, you know, at some point I'm part of what I do is almost like a personal shopper for systems because I go in and I do a full intake with someone and really learn about their psychology and their spiritual soul essence based on my integral coaching perspective. And then I can say, even for a to-do list management kind of thing, this person's going to be better in Trello, like I have a, an interior design. Her to-do list looks like Pinterest in Trello. Or I have another gal who used to be an accountant, but now she's teaching the art of feminine presence. But I tapped into, she used to be an accountant. She's really good with linear stuff. So I put her in Smartsheet. 
So it's really about tapping into somebody's natural processing and learning style so that that system is going to then support them and be something they're willing to even use. Otherwise, they're just going to go back to sticky notes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's useless. You can't delegate paper and sticky notes. Listeners, be prepared. And I'm sure you're already like, what's that? You might know what Trello is, but that's the first time I've heard of smart sheet. Is that what you said? Smart sheet? Yeah. All the links for everything that we talk about will be in the show notes at thugkimsutton.com forward slash PP398. I just want to put that out there. So you're not like, oh, how do I write this down? I can't keep up with you all (laughs) because I know it's going to be like that. So I use Trello and I was struggling for the longest time because I don't want another tab open. I mean, right now, I'm embarrassed to admit that I have 15 tabs open. Mm -hmm. And that just causes distraction. I mean, my husband messages me on Facebook during the day because he can't figure out how to use text messaging. (laughs) No joke. So I really try to avoid my phone while I'm working unless the phone rings. But if I don't have Facebook open, then his messages go unanswered and then he gets worried because we communicate during the day. But that's what happened with Trello, even though there is an app Mm -hmm. for my Mac. I just don't want another app open. I want what I need right now. So I ended up finding Focuster. Have you heard of that one? Nope, I haven't heard of that one. Mm. Focuster allows me to put to-do list items into Trello or new cards, and then it will populate because I still have Trello for delegating. And then it will populate my Focuster app. But I can put my to-do list items directly in Focuster as well. And then it schedules them into my calendar. Sweet. So I gamify it all because I'm trying to keep up with my calendar all day. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So that's the one that works for you. It's a time-based perspective on the world. Absolutely. Other people have a relationship-based perspective on the world. And we try to get all of their tasks oriented around the relationship that the task supports. And a lot of times close, C-L-O-Z-E, is a great way to do that through their Gmail. I just heard about that yesterday and I didn't know what it was. C-L-O-Z-E. Okay. Right. Oh, I want to hear more about relationship-based versus what did you say the other one was? Time-based. Time-based. You see the world through your calendar. Okay. I see my calendar through my task list. I'm very Uh task-based. So I want to know what I need to get done. And I'm looking at, okay, now where are the time slots available to get those things done? And that's just because I'm fundamentally a head-based person. And I'm good with that. Like I'm fundamentally an introvert. No, I don't want to become an extrovert. (laughs) I'm good. And most of the people I serve are not like me. And that's intentional. Because if I try to help other people with their tools, they just argue. That's no fun. So when I'm working with somebody who is very relationship-oriented, they want to make sure people get what they need. Are we okay? Are we still in connection here? That's my way of knowing I'm okay in the world. Then organizing their tasks, being able to attach every task to the person or the relationship they're building is their way of seeing those tasks as relevant. Some tasks, it's just about get something done, and it's not attached to a person or a relationship in their mind, loses relevance. And they just won't bother to do it. And that's how sometimes those things with a longer horizon, you take your little steps on a longer horizon project, for them, it's part of their purpose. 
And so to keep it aligned with their purpose and visible from that lens, we put it into a tool that organizes around people for them. Now, I can see how that would be really beneficial. I would just Mm -hmm. want somebody else handling that for me. (laughs) I have to say I'm the bottleneck when it comes to my team. I need to stop using my email, I think, as much as I do, because I send out tasks via email rather than, well, I already expressed my issues with Trello. I just don't want another tab open. Mm -hmm. But maybe you can share. Is there a way I can get around that so that I send an email and it populates it into the tool that will assign it to the right person and then... I'm sure Trello has an email in a task. I knew that. Yeah. And it'll be something about either a a special character or something in the subject line that will automatically assign it and put it on the right board. Oh, my heavens. Listeners, you've been listening to me talking about how I realized that I'm the bottleneck in my company, that I need to build my team if I'm going to build my business further. Mm -hmm. Oh, I could give you another hug. No, I mean, (laughs) now the pillars of positive productivity are self-care systems and support. So that's one of those things that I'm going to say, hey, can you go research this and just tell me how to do it so I don't have to spend an hour going through Dr. Google to figure it out for myself? Right. Yeah. Just one of your team can figure that out and tell you how to do it. Yes. This is where a really good team really becomes the handler for the talent. Yes. I always tell people when you're about to hire your first team member, do you want somebody that you are going to have to tell them what to do every hour on the hour? Or do you want somebody who knows what needs to be done and tells you when you need to get your piece in there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, my awesome team member who will be looking that up is the one who is also editing this episode. And I just share, listeners, you all need somebody like this. And she asked me if she could take a stab at the editing. And she did brilliantly. I'm like, well, heck yeah, we don't need another person. Like, And then I said, you need to train, you need to build your business to have more people like you who can do this. Yes, please. Yeah. I mean, I want somebody who can look at all the things that are going on in my business and be like, how can I help you? Can I learn how to do this? Would you rather bring someone on who is really experienced already or someone who's green and will learn from scratch or a mix of both? It has to be somebody that's able to do the initial things that I need done. Mm -hmm. But truthfully, I hire more on matching values Mm -hmm. and complementary skills. So I want somebody who can do the things that I don't like to do. Yeah. But their values have to match or I won't be able to like hang out with them very much. Right. Completely agree. So as I've been going through hiring new people, I just actually put together a whole Google Doc of everything that needs done in the business. Yes. And what do you want to do? Like, what do you want to learn how to do? What really excites you? Because if nothing on this list excites you, then there probably isn't a place for you. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you think that's fair? I think so. Right. There's going to be, even if you bring on a people person, they can be your speaking agent. If you bring on more of a task person, they can be the one that does the video, the audio editing and posts the things and deals with the technology. Everybody has value on a team. It's just getting the right people into the right tasks that match. Again, it's about fit. Yes, absolutely. I am curious about how you came up with the name Purposivity. Mm. I mean, it makes total sense what it is. Right. Okay. So for me, 
I am an artist by nature, a very right brain creative person. And a lot of my art has been words. And so I started playing with the words. I want people to have processes. I want people to have productivity. I want people to have purpose. I want people to have passion, like all these different words I was playing with. And really what it came down to as I was working on the book, it was all about identifying your purpose and making sure that that weaves into every way that you show up in your personal life as well as your professional life. But the professional life is more my playground. And so the way that you show up in producing those things that matter to your purpose. I think the old version of productivity was the time and efficiency studies from production lines, doing things that really fundamentally don't matter. Let's turn this screw two turns and then the line moves. And so taking that even into the 1950s insurance office, how do you get more productive at making your sales calls? You make this many calls in this much time and you time block this and it's all very rigid and linear and masculine because it was men in the workforce. And so as I realized how much that old model of productivity really doesn't match today's world and certainly today's women in the workforce, I wanted to be able to change up so that it wasn't just productivity, it was productivity on purpose or as you, positive approach to productivity, doing what matters. So that's how the mashup happened. <laughs> oh, I love that. After I lost my job as an interior designer, I was designing schools in 2008. Mm -hmm. It didn't go so well to start my own interior design business here in Ohio. And I don't even remember what the word means now, even though my dictionary is right next to me. Yes, I still have a physical dictionary, but I named it Virtu, V-I-R-T-U, not Virtue, but I was just looking through the dictionary. So I love that you're a word person. Mm -hmm. Very much, which is why the left brain injury was that much more devastating mm -hmm. when I lost my words. It was, yeah. So I've been using Focuster to help me with my daily habits that I'm trying to solidify. Mm -hmm. But I realized some of them just weren't going so well. So I also am a journaler by hand. Mm -hmm. Journaling on electronic devices has just never gone well. There's just something very soothing for me to actually write out what I'm journaling, like with a pen and paper. Mm -hmm. So I made, for lack of a better expression, a bullet journal page for tracking my daily habit, like a habit chart. So I can track off every day if I got it done or if I didn't. Excellent. However, I also have papers around my desk. You know, I don't want all these tabs open, but what I wind up with is index cards with notes on them. Do you have a suggestion for people like me who just have clutter of papers? Let me share one little more tidbit on that. I don't think that came out properly, but I know what I'm trying to say. What happens with these little papers is that my littles find them and start decorating them or they walk away with them. So I would love something that doesn't make me feel totally cluttered on my computer, but allows me to track all these little random thoughts that come into my head. For example, today I started one list of solo episodes that all of a sudden like 15 solo episode ideas just hit my brain at one time. So I started a list. What mm -hmm. would be your go-to? Would that be Evernote for that? Absolutely. I can go into Evernote at this point and find everything that I ever thought, downloaded, 
wrote or created around introvert. In one place, one search, boom. So if I wanted to do a blog article or something about introvert, all my resources are right there in front of me instantly. And one of the nice things is that you can write it out by hand on your index cards and then use your phone to take a picture of the handwritten card into Evernote. And over time, Evernote will make that text searchable. It doesn't actually convert it to text, but if you've handwritten the word introvert on there, you will be able to search the picture of that card would show up in your Evernote search. Really? Yep. In fact, a lot of notebooks have Evernote versions so that literally you can take your journaling in the notebook and then take a photograph of the page into Evernote and be able to search it. I think I know which company you're talking about, but I don't say it the right way. Moleskin. Yes, that one. Thank you. It's not Moleskin. It has like a more exotic sounding name because it's from Europe. Us yeah. Americans just seem to butcher. <laughs> but hey, that's how it's spelled. So I'm just going to use it phonetically right, mm-hmm. right now. You can find it that way. Yeah, I did not know that. I don't think I've used Evernote properly. And I think that's where a lot of people get messed up in their technology is they buy something because they hear that it's cool or this is a tool that you need right now, but they don't even scratch the surface of the capabilities. I mean, I see that all the time with my Infusionsoft clients. Yeah, part of that is because the tools have their online help that describe everything. Well, you don't need to know everything. That online help is most often written by developers or that type of person who wants to give you an inventory and leave nothing out. What I do with my clients is when we get the right tool for them, I create a little task-based instruction guide for them for that tool. When you want to do this task, here's the click-by-click instructions just to get that done. Here's the best way to use it for you. Start with this. If you outgrow it in six months, great, but this will get you started being productive with that tool right away. And the nice thing for my business model is over time, I've created a library of these little instruction guides to do the same task in different tools so that for any given client who comes in, I can say, okay, this is what you need to do. And boom, here's your instruction guide without me having to recreate it every single time. That's genius. Do you encourage your clients to have them as well? It depends on how consistent their business is. Mm. There are things that happen every single time. Yeah, those need to be at least documented. I think sometimes the standard operating procedures terminology freaks people out, especially my heart-based sweeties. So what I say is when you write it down and document it, This is self-care for your CEO self so that somebody else can do it. And those things that happen over and over, yes, you want to get those written down or just Zoom yourself doing it so you can hand that recording off to somebody and they can do it too. Other things, you know, if it's really customized, it doesn't make sense to try and write something if you're only going to do it two times in the next year. You know, if it's something you've got to be able to do, like go in and update the billing account number on your autoresponder software. Again, Zoom yourself doing it so you know how to get back there. You don't have to relearn it. But for every single little thing to create procedures, nope, that's overhead. That's not purposeful. 
Purposeful is usually serving your customers and getting out of as much of the mechanics as you can. Unless, like you and I, the mechanics is my business. I tell people that your business is the content, the craft that you're wonderful at, and the business structure around that that lets you make a profit and stay in business. Well, the structure of your business is the content of my business. Right. So, yeah, which went along with some question you asked there, I'm sure, but there it is. (laughs) No, I love it. I don't even remember what my question was now because I'm just, yeah, I'm just enjoying the conversation so much. I have heard, and listeners, you've heard on the podcast before, your mess makes your message. Mm -hmm. Do you think you would have found your way to this path, to your purpose, had it not been for your motorcycle accident? I really don't know that I would have. I think I would still be pursuing the straight coaching and spiritual mentor Mm -hmm. kind of an approach, which I'm really gifted and talented in that. And there are a lot of folks who can do it. But what I realized is since I'm not inherently a people person, I'm so much better off if I can serve a very few people deeply And by serving coaches and healers, then they go off and love on hundreds of people. Right. So in this way, I'm actually leveraging more love into the world by focusing on the things that free the people people. (laughs) And that's been a beautiful realization where it doesn't make it wrong. It doesn't make it like, oh, I gave up on my coaching because that shows up. The wisdom pieces always come in. New systems require new habits, require new lenses on the world. But I think that having gone through my, quote, out of my mind phase really did help me to have more compassion and insight for people who live in their hearts all the time. And it gave me more access to my own heart. That was a beautiful thing out of it. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And my mess made my message. So, Did it? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. If I hadn't gone through my own sleep deprivation and <laughs> the depression that followed, then I wouldn't mm-hmm. have realized. I don't think my eyes would have been totally open to all the areas that I could improve my business and that I see other entrepreneurs struggling with as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have a way that you help your clients avoid or conquer shiny object syndrome? I do. Absolutely. Because I think that a part of shiny object novelty, but it's also a part of what I call being battered by experts. Mm. Everybody out there says, you must have this or your business will never succeed. And so I see a lot of people going, and I go to networking meetings, and I'm doing speaking, and I have this funnel with six different products in $10 increments, and I have, I'm like, oh my word, nobody can maintain that much different. I mean, it's too many fronts. Yeah. So what I do when I initially talk with somebody and I get that full psycho spiritual profile for them is I look at all the marketing approaches and I match which two, maybe three fit that person. So I had one gal, Wanda, who's a photographer, sweet, sweet gal. And she had been told, in order to be successful, you must blog. Consistently, every week, you must write a blog. Well, she's dyslexic. 
Right. So she figured right from the start, she was never really going to be successful and just started lowering the bar. Oh, that's so horrible. And I was like, oh, sweetheart, let's look at this again. Yes, you want to communicate consistently, but you are magic with a camera. Mm -hmm. Just take a picture a week and put a caption on it or do a now a two or three minute Facebook live. There are so many other ways you can accomplish that based on who you are and what fits. Some people love to speak. Some people, that is the worst nightmare they would ever have. Well, then don't (laughs) find something else. So I go through this whole map that I have of the different marketing approaches, strategies, and I pick the two or three and I put them on a slide. And then I go through and I say, what is your primary message on your website What is your gift on your website that's going to lead somebody to want to talk to you? And I put that on the slide. And then I talk about in your offerings, what are your top three ways you want to be working with people? Are you inherently a one-on-one person? Are you inherently a group facilitator? And that lights you up. So we want to put just one or two or three ways to serve people on that slide. And I give them an infographic with their business strategy or architecture top to bottom on the graphic. And over on the side of it, I put the mission, vision, and what do you do statement that we come up with together. Primarily, I extract it and put it together for them so that they can see how each of those pieces of their business is captured in their purpose statement at that level. So then they have this infographic and somebody comes up and says, you need to be doing this brand new thing. And they can look at the graphic and say, it's not on my architecture, at least not this year. I don't need to know that right now and walk away. That's fabulous. Yeah, I love the visual communication because then everybody's on the same page. Yeah, I have started using a goal sheet in my own business and have been talking on the podcast a little bit about it and also to clients, what do you need to reach the goal and ignore everything else that Mm -hmm. flies by your head every single day? (laughs) And I've been also mass unsubscribing from email lists. Yes. If I need it, then I can go to Google and find it. But Mm -hmm. everything else that hits my inbox every day, I just don't need it. There's so much distraction out there. We just need to eliminate it so we can stay focused. I mean, it's hard enough even when we do clean out our email subscribes and everything else. We're still getting bombarded in 18,000 different directions. Exactly. And that signal to noise ratio gets really low. And I think that's one of the major things that contributes to digital clutter. We used to talk about, oh, I need to have somebody come in and organize my files in my office and get the piles off the floor. Well, now people have those piles on their desktop. They have those piles in open tabs or whatever. And until we find ways to really manage, really, that digital clutter, it feels overwhelming. And so every time we approach the computer to do anything, it has that background, subtle, energetic feel of, oh, shit, there's so much stuff there that I haven't dealt with. I don't even really want to open it up. Well, that's no way to approach your work. (laughs) Absolutely. I actually put my vision board, I created a vision board in Canva. Mm -hmm. And I created a wallpaper for my desktop. Yes. And also I put it 
on the background of my Gmail. So mm-hmm. if my inbox is full, then it's harder to see. So that helps me keep the clutter down on my desktop and on my Gmail. And I've also started just doing mass delete of screenshots. On my Mac, screenshots huh. quickly add up. And next thing I know, I've got the whole screen covered. And now they're even duplicating them. Like, it looks yeah. like little rabbits. <laughs> Like screenshots multiplying themselves on top of each other. But if I haven't touched it, then just select all, delete. Nice. Hey, did you pick a word for the year? I actually have six. (laughs) I was reading um, Brendan Burchard's High Performance Habit. Mm -hmm. And they were clarity, energy, necessity, productivity, influence, and courage. Mm. So they're taped to the top of my monitor. There's one that points to all the rest and it's focus. So maybe that would be my word for the year. There you focus, go. Even though it's taking me in six different directions. What about you? My word is celebrate and I made it the password on my computer. Oh, that's fabulous. Do you need to change your yeah. password now? No. <laughs> and it's not really the word. It's encoded a little bit. Yeah. But just to get into my laptop, I'm reminded mm. this is what I'm creating this year. Oh, I love that. I'm not going to give away what my password is, but it's a goal. Nice. Yes. Yeah. So I'm reminded constantly. I need to update it because my goal is actually associated with my 40th birthday, which is next year. And I don't know how you feel about this, but I've realized that when we set unrealistic goals for ourselves, when we make task lists that are way too long, it's really easy to be hard on ourselves and just get depressed about it. So my goal that I had set for my 40th birthday. It was ginormous. Enormous isn't even big enough. (laughs) So I'm actually thinking right now I need to update that, which also means updating the password for just about, well, more than I should be using one password for. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) Did I just get a tisk tisk? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I got tisked on my podcast. (laughs) But yeah, I I use it way too much, but it needs to be updated because reinforcing my goal with an unrealistic goal is not healthy. How do you feel about that? Maybe something more around the self-care piece. Mm. (laughs) I love to put big things into my to-do list manager because that way I can get them out of my head. The computer will never forget. Later, I can choose whether it's relevant or not. But I also, my to-do list is basically categorized by week. I have a daily list that I do pen and paper, but my online list is by week. So I have this week that I can focus on. And then when I do my weekly review, I can look at the list of stuff that's tagged next week and see if something pulls up. But once a month, as you say, I go back and I look at the overall list and do things need to move around or move out or cool new things move in as possibilities. But really, I'm only looking at this week. And that's part of calming myself and being content. So I'm curious, then you look at this week, does that mean you don't have daily tasks then? Each day, my morning ritual includes looking at my to do list and looking at my client emails and writing down the top three to five things that I want to have gotten done by the end of the day. It will feel good to have done these things by the end of the day. And that's my handwritten piece because I do also love a good pen and paper. But that's the only paper that I use and that's the paper on my desk. Everything else is safely tucked away in the computer where I can go for more if I want it. Thank you for saying three to five. Yeah. 
If I were to pull out my journal from two years ago, I can guarantee that there would be 20 to 30 items on my daily to-do list. Uh And every single day I felt like I was just not accomplishing anything. And then you just have to write them over the next day. Exactly. So it was taking so much time. So now I have my top three to five. And I mean, even in my planner that I'm developing, I started with three, but I realized that was just not cutting my needs. So my Mm -hmm. planner was up to five. And I feel so much better seeing three, four, five items knocked off that list of five than I ever would have felt having that many knocked off of a list of 25. Yes. Yeah. So thank you again. Listeners, please absorb (laughs) this. I don't see anything wrong with having the master to-do list. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not your weekly to-do list. Maybe it's just your master dump bucket of tasks, right? And everything goes on there and then you just transfer those three to five. As they come up. Yeah. And you might have a differing opinion, but don't put them all on your list for today, please. (laughs) I can't write a book today. And that's another downfall that I see. Maybe downfall is not the right word, but writing a book is not a task. Writing a book is a project. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of entrepreneurs get that confused. Break it down into the smaller tasks and it's going to feel so much more manageable. I mean, I can't right. just say, I'm going to write chronic idea disorder tonight. No, but I, I can start working on the outline. Mm-hmm. Actually, I've already started working on the outline. I've been talking about this book for two years now. It just Isn't that interesting? Yep. <laughs> but update for everybody. As of the day of this recording, I did add to it. I opened up the Google Doc last week and I was shocked to see how many words are already in there and how much content is already in there because Yay. I'll just go in there Do you try to do anything in your business when you're not inspired? Sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes like the client meeting is in an hour. Right. Okay. So let me back up again. (laughs) There it is. For your book. For my book, it was fascinating because the truth is that book came into being the year that I was recovering from head injury. So I'm not entirely sure how it happened. But in little tiny bites and nuggets, I think that's, I could never write a novel that thing that would have to have continuity from front all the way to the end. A nonfiction book I can write in nuggets and then organize them and let the natural structure kind of emerge, which it did. But I know that there are things I have to do even when I don't feel inspired. And I know that. And therefore, as an adult, as a professional, I'm not an amateur at this, I show up when I need to. It's somebody doing their Broadway play for the 730th time and it still looks fresh and new, that's a professional. But it's not all the time. My business is not designed that I have to be on all the time. In fact, one of the ways that I organize my to-do list is by the quality of energy that the task will take. So I have tags on there for things that take focus, things that take creativity, things for when I'm feeling in a connection mood, and things that When I'm mindless and exhausted and a vegetable at the end of the day, I could still get this done and it would still be toward my purpose. So then when I'm in a certain energy or mindset, I can look and see what's on the list that's going to move me forward based on where I am right now. I love that. I found that in my own business. I was blocking out my whole daytime hours for clients and devoting all that time to them. But then when my time, quote, my time came at the end of the day, I was absolutely just fried. Mm-hmm. And nothing was getting done yeah. on my own stuff. And I realized that when I stopped getting scared of 
just blocking out some time in the morning for myself, that awesome things began to happen. And I want to go back, like I wasn't saying, I realized there's things like balancing my checkbook that need to be done, even if I'm not inspired to do it. But if I'm not inspired for a solo episode, like if I don't have an idea, I don't force it. Mm -hmm. If I'm not inspired with a blog article, I don't force it. And for the people who say you, you need to be putting out content on this once a week, same time, same place. Well, I totally break that rule. Because if I'm not inspired, it's not going out. Right. And I think that's a lot of this shift of our relationship with time. I mean, that's fundamentally what productivity is, the relationship between time and attention. And it used to be that business was all around the male model because men were the businessmen. And so they were able to be very consistent, very linear, predictable. And the truth is, we as women live in cycles. We can't not notice. We start with a monthly cycle. And then we start to notice, oh my goodness, there's a daily cycle. There's a biorhythm to what my energy does over the course of a day. There's a rhythm to what happens over the course of a year with the amount of sunlight and with the holidays that come in. And when we start to recognize those rhythms and cycles and plan our business in accordance with that, rather than the older models. I mean, time blocking. Do you know what you're going to be feeling like next Tuesday from nine to 11? Oh, I could not time block. And yet it's still often taken as one of the basic foundations of productivity. Well, no, that's not going to work for me in this woman's body. And with a relationship to time that says, when I'm inspired, and I'm in flow, time expands. It is it's elastic. And so much more can happen. And by waiting and utilizing that knowledge, I can get more quality results toward my purpose done playing with the rhythms than trying to have some linear override that says, I'm going to show up this way no matter what at this time every week. That's just not what this body is built for. And I think there are a lot of men who are also way more in touch with cycles and rhythms than they were allowed to be in the 1950s. Yeah. I would love to see that conversation with my father, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He would look at you like you're speaking Japanese, I think. That's great. And I could find a system that'll fit his style, too. Oh, my gosh. And it'll that... be perfect, right? That's the thing is that diversity, the uniqueness to me is the juicy part. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about all the systems that he could use. Yeah. <laughs> I have a couple last questions for you. Okay. What self-care systems do you have set up in your own life? Mm. It's interesting because I'm in the middle of a move and my previous self-care was often to go out and walk around my five acre property. So I would put nature high on the list. I probably take eight to 15 knitting breaks during the day. And what I do is I move away from the computer and the screen and I get my hands into something knitting for me that lets me produce something tangible and touch it and fill my eyes with color. So to me, that's part of self-care. And I knit until I know the next thing I should work on. So the inspiration gets me back up again. It might be two minutes. I may not even finish a row, but it's that little self-break 
I know that it takes four minutes and 26 seconds to make a cup of coffee just the way I like it. So that's one of my highly preserved self-care breaks. And you know, sometimes for me, self-care is clearing up digital clutter. Self-care is organizing my to-do list because then I feel better. So it can be any number of different things. I'm going to have to borrow the knitting break. (laughs) There is a huge, huge Rubbermaid bin in my bedroom full of way too much yarn that's been waiting. I knit my wedding dress. Oh, my word. Yeah, it wasn't long. Pictures. Yes, I will put a, a link to a picture in the show notes. But with five kids, I feel bad because four of them have not had a blanket knit for them. And the one who does gets ripped on because they all want his blanket. Hmm. It's time. And I mean, this is not a difficult blanket. There's no fancy stuff. Right. Flip it over and start the new row. But I could totally do that. And we're recording this at the end of May. I mean, I could easily with that easy pattern, just taking these short knitting breaks, have four blankets created by the end of the year for Christmas. Thank you. Here you go. You just helped me start my Christmas (laughs) non-chopping. Perfect. Besides Evernote, What is another system that you love in your business? Mm. It's interesting because I almost never recommend my systems to my clients because I'm a different kind of person. Mm -hmm. I love my emailer. I use an old Thunderbird derivative that actually sits on my computer instead of in the cloud. And I can sort and filter and find stuff in that just the way I want to, damn it. (laughs) Well, there you go. Find the system that works for you, listeners. Right. Where can listeners find you online and connect with you? I am at purposedrivenprocess.com. And there's an opt-in gift there to help people get more time, create a little space so they can get ahead of the curve. There's a contact button on there that we can automatically schedule a time for a conversation. And some of my best tips are just right there in the blog. I don't blog as often as I quote should, but again, I do what pleases me. Shoulda, coulda, woulda doesn't make us any mm-hmm. money, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Listeners, all the links will be in the show notes again, of how you can contact Karen and all the tools that we've talked about at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP398. Karen, we're going to have to pick this up in a part two, mm-hmm. if you don't mind, because I feel like we have so much more that we could chat about. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you could offer to listeners? Mm-hmm. When you're creating your systems and your business for yourself. And as a lifestyle business, you can't get it wrong because it's only for you. The truth is though, you're going to grow. You're going to evolve. The world's going to change. So you also can't get it right forever. So just get started. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.